Welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I am your host, Ariel Basca, and I am here to welcome our chairman, our distinguished chairman, in fact, Kieran Cowan, who is a fellow polymath in geekdoms with a willingness, just like me, to attach to almost any esoteric subject. And we discovered very early on when we met through the Doctor Who's That podcast, which we both guest on, that we both have a love of all things BBC, including Just a Minute. And we wanted to give our listeners an introduction to why this fantastic British panel show is something everyone should be aware of. And we wanted to create our own tribute show with the playing of the game, as well as a little bit about its background. So, Kieran, tell me... My first awareness of Just a Minute was from my mother specifically. My parents were both middle school teachers, and my mother introduced me to it as something that she loved doing with her students and that would turn up in random places on Canadian radio. And she was quite shrewd in judging that because there are all kinds of things that you can connect it to very quickly that you can develop a very sincere enthusiasm for. Um, When you listen and and hear Peter Jones, a.k.a. producer of the best sound in the world, the book from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy (laughs) is a regular, and you have Stephen Fry turning up on a regular basis, you start getting connections to all the other different things I loved. And as time went on and the host of Just a Minute was cruelly murdered by those vampires on Doctor Who, and you start learning just the monolithic number of things there are to learn about Kenneth Williams. And wait, is that Sigmund Freud's grandson? And all of these other extraordinary things. It comes out of a very, very simple game that you can understand in 90 seconds the basic rules of. Which is, a, which is, I think, most of the genius. Yeah. I mean, I love that just a minute can be understood so quickly. So for those of our listeners who have absolutely no idea what we're talking about so far, the basic rules of just a minute are that you have a host or a chairman. In this case, Kieran is going to be playing this role. And you have four contestants who are to speak on one topic for one full minute without hesitation, no ums, uhs, or the like, no deviation, no, you know, inserting something about your pet dog Fluffy in here, and no repetition. You're not allowed to say the same word more than twice other than the actual subject written on the card. That word is allowed to be repeated, but nothing else. Other members of the panel are allowed to interrupt for a challenge. If the challenge is upheld, then they get a point. If the challenge is deemed invalid, a point is given to the speaker. Uh, hesitation. There's also the <laughs> fact that if you, if you correctly challenge someone, the subject and the remaining time or yours which means that no matter how prepared you think you are for the subject in your head, it's, it rapidly becomes war. And then there are bonus points for things that really entertain the chairman, and you get a point for speaking when the, when the whistle ends, uh, ends the round at the uh, end of the minute. And that's it. 
beyond that, it's all ephemeral. Whether or not the chairman is right in his challenges and spoilers, at no point in the history of the game is the chairman always right. <laughs> You've got a finite amount of, uh, of real estate to talk on any subject, and it can be almost any subject. The, for a BBC Radio 4, Radio 4 audience, it ranges from the extremely straightforward to the profoundly bizarre, rude, arbitrary, or strange. Any random thing can turn up as the subject for a round, and it will usually be very different from whatever you had to talk about a minute before. It will frequently also make reference to whichever small town theater is hosting the, uh, the recording that week. But um, beyond that, there's a, a minor amount of pandering to the audience. Other than that, anything goes. Yep. And the reason why we chose now to go ahead and create a tribute episode to Just a Minute and why this one is so near and dear to our hearts is that the chairman for decades was Nicholas Parsons, who died on January 28th of this year, 2020. And we wanted to create an episode that would be a tribute to him and his life playing the straight man for so many years from the 60s. I'm sorry, what, when did it actually begin? Do you know? In the modern form as we know it now, 1968. And until he stopped towards the end of last year at the age of 96, he was the longest running host of anything on earth. Yeah. Just full stop. The history of Just a Minute is long and storied from so many decades. And this is why we think it's really important to dig deep into this. Every country that had the BBC World Service carried just a minute, including India, where they have a practice called jamming today, which is actually part of the tradition of how one interviews for jobs today. So if you go on YouTube, you'll find out how to speak without hesitation, deviation, or repetition for a full minute uh, to compete against others for jobs. It's interesting how... Just a Minute has found international appeal. In different ways to different people. It's, it's a comedy to some people. It's, in some places, a very direct form of free speech and student debate. It, it's, a, it's a format that can really absorb a lot of different interests and, uh, and approaches. And it's not the same. Any episode of the show, the styles of the people playing it, make it a different show week to week. Also, it's often very silly, which is nice. We, we really need to talk about more silly things this year, don't we? Oh, for sure. For sure. And we're really hoping that they allow a little bit of time for the audience to mourn the passing of Nicholas Parsons. But then we really feel that in this era of COVID and the pandemic, really... Returning just a minute to the air would be such a tremendous service to those of us who really just need a good laugh right now and could really do with one. So we hope you'll enjoy this episode, which reunites four of us who were friends in college, Megan Pfeiffer-Miller, Dan Miller, 
Miriam Craig, and myself, Ariel. And Kieran is our distinguished chairman, taking the Nicholas Parsons role as our punching bag and our object of adulation simultaneously. So thank you so much, Kieran, for agreeing to come on and do this. I love I'm it. really worried which of those I'm more okay with than the other. <laughs> well, we will see. We will see. So I think, I think it'll be fun. Welcome to our tribute show for just a minute. Joining me today on the panel of just a minute panelists who are going to try to speak for a full minute without hesitation, deviation, or repetition are Miriam. Say hi. <laughs> Dan. Hello. And Megan. Hi. And of course, we would be nowhere without our distinguished chairman, Kieran. So take it away, Kieran. And as the minute waltz apparently isn't fading away, uh, I'd like to welcome you to this special tribute and uh, all of our listeners, not just in this country, but around the world, as we uh, take this opportunity to play this grand and entertaining game. I'd like to welcome our varied and esteemed and talented panelists and try not to put a note in my voice like Nicholas Parsons always did that strongly implied he didn't entirely know why they were necessarily so esteemed and instead move on to uh, to, to offering uh, a, a chance to get started. Let's, I think we're going to start today with Miriam and uh, I'd like you to, to, to begin by talking about dream logic. I would like you to talk about dream logic for 60 seconds without deviation, hesitation, or repetition, starting now. Dream logic, I imagine to be logic that works any way you want it to. It is your dream logic, the logic of your dreams that you would invent if you could. By this logic, you could eat 16 chocolate cakes and... Ariel, you challenged. Repetition of the word could. Absolutely correct. You have 41 seconds on dream logic to take up the subject, and you get a point, which is exciting. And, uh, <laughs> and we will continue with 41 seconds starting now. I find that my dreams never have very much logic to them. I really wish that my dreams... <laughs> Miriam. Hesitation. I don't know that I don't know if that was hesitation or not. I thought I saw you challenge before it cha before it did. Ariel? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, I think on this occasion though. I mean, I I wouldn't if I were you, Kieran, but uh, in the spirit of being a, a cutthroat panelist, I'm going to say Miriam. Haha, suck it. <laughs> no, I'm not actually going to say that. Where am I? No, this is my podcast. Kieran, Kieran decided in my favor. It's mine. No, no, I didn't. I decided in Miriam's favor. Oh, you did. No. Yes. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> now you're all going to find out how little I have to say. <laughs> that is 
in many cases, the point of the exercise. Yeah. So we're going to have uh, another 32 seconds. And the subject is back with you starting now. Dream logic is well illustrated by describing to you the dream I had the other night. It was about a lobster who was crawling across the beach, except the lobster was really my self-confidence. Ariel was in there first, I think. Repetition of the word lobster. Yes, that was very much a repetition of lobster. The, the, the Salvador Dali trap got you, I think. Uh, all right, uh, Ariel, you have another uh, 19 seconds, starting now. The logic of dreams is something that Carl Jung used to try to write about in his great works about uh, the... <laughs> I think Megan was slightly in first there. Repetition of about... Yes, you're right. I thought you were going for hesitation, but no, about, she did say about twice, at least. So, all right, the, sec- the, the, the uh, subject is with you, and you have seven seconds on dream logic starting now. I find dream logic to be decidedly less than logical. Quite anything can happen, and will happen at all times. All right, that, that's the end of the round, and, uh, you've, and you were speaking at the whistle. <laughs> when the whistle or the book or whichever noise you care to name it uh, went off. And as a result, uh, you have decided to tie Ariel for first place and uh, we will uh, continue on. And it is Ariel's turn to begin and making good on an earlier threat. I would like you to talk about, I would like you to talk about maintaining my momentum. That's maintaining my momentum (laughs) for 60 seconds without deviation, hesitation, or repetition, (laughs) starting now. Maintaining my momentum is something that I find quite hard to do on shows like Just a Minute, because I find that I like to speed up my rate of speech at times when it's not really very helpful to me when I wish that I had... Miriam. Hesitation. A slowing down that in effect was a hesitation. I, I think for any other subject I would argue, but I would agree here that it's also deviation and that she wasn't quite maintaining her momentum. Uh, so yes, hesitation <laughs> to you. <laughs> That's, uh, that gets you another point and uh, gives you the subject with 41 seconds to go on maintaining my momentum starting now. Maintaining my momentum is something I think about a great deal with reference to the children's fiction book that I am trying to finish at the moment. No matter does a week pass when I've only spent five hours working on it. And I think maintaining my momentum, I need to get going. And the following period of time, perhaps I manage eight hours and the debate rages constantly in my head. Should I watch another 20 minutes of Shit's Creek on Netflix? No, because maintaining my momentum is more important. I sit at my desk. All right. This decided <laughs> to catch on my shoulder. However, you were speaking as the minute wound up and you get another point. <laughs> Congratulations. And uh, that was that was very well done, frankly. Very well uh, done. All right. 
Uh, let's let's go over to Megan then. I think to start this round, the best villain. I would like you to talk about the best villain for sixty seconds, starting now. Deciding who is the best villain will certainly take me some consideration. I'm not quite sure where to begin. Of course, there is the eternally Ariel. Hideous... You challenged. Well, deviation. Her. She's not even talking about who the best villain is. She's saying that she doesn't even know who the best villain is. I would have to say that the that discussing how you would choose to approach the subject is still talking about the subject. Ah, okay. um, so that is a point for an incorrect challenge, Megan. And uh, <laughs> the subject goes back to you for another 51 seconds, starting now. I would have to first consider Dr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, of course, Mr. Hyde being the evil Miriam. villain. Miriam. Repetition of doctor. Yes. There was doctor, hesitation, doctor. Also, I would have to, <laughs> which you'd said before. Uh, so, yes, that's uh, another point with you. And uh, then we set, uh, give you the subject for 44 seconds. Starting now. The best villain is, of course, the one inside your own mind. No matter what people say to you, their criticisms, it's always part of yourself who can truly pinpoint your flaws and make you feel absolutely bleeding terrible lying on the floor with no motivation to continue living. Your voice... Ariel. Deviation from Miriam's own personality. She is becoming Kenneth Williams. Um, I don't necessarily know that that's true. Um, I, I think you just like her and want her to have points, to be honest. How dare you? Dare you? All right. I think I'm going to go back to Miriam then. And you have another 18 seconds to continue talking about the best villain, starting now. The best villain, though it may be unimaginative of me to say, is Voldemort. Simply because he was the first one that sprang to mind. What with the Hogwarts-related series of books being so popular, there was no reason for me not to say Harry Potter there. Uh, but that's what happened. <laughs> All right. Now, I'm sorry, in order to have in order to be the best villain, I personally believe you have to have a nose. Otherwise, it's just silly. <laughs> However, uh, at the end of that round, you were speaking at the end and as a result have taken a commanding lead. Uh, so everybody else. Destroy her. Um, <laughs> and with that is the uh, the spirit of things. Uh, Dan, let's let's go to you. Uh, pouring oil on troubled waters. I should like you to speak for 60 seconds on pouring oil on troubled waters, starting now. When I think about pouring oil on troubled waters, of course, the first thing that comes to mind is the famous instance in the 1970s where the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland caught on fire not once, not twice, but at least five different times, thus spurring the modern environmental movement. But fast forward to today, are things really that much better in Cleveland? Did you challenge? Yes, I did challenge. I think he's showing off. <laughs> <laughs> 
down. <laughs> she had that kind of historical knowledge just available <laughs> willy-nilly. I think he hasn't actually broken the rules of just a minute in any way. <laughs> um, again, if anything, there is some precedent for people using it as an opportunity to show off flagrantly. <laughs> so he, he will get a point for an incorrect challenge. And he has another 38 seconds to talk on the subject of pouring oil on troubled waters starting now. But even when we aren't looking at rivers literally catching on fire in places like the Midwest, we can go to Alaska and think about the great Exxon Valdez oil spill of 1989 and those poor little duckies and cormorants and auklets covered in petroleum trying to swim around. Didn't we feel so sorry for them? Oh, our hearts bled, but it did not stop it from happening again. Then there is the Deepwater Horizon incident, and it goes on and on and on, just showing how... Oh, Raven ah. <laughs> was in first there. Uh, I have a suspicion I know what you're going to say, but I'd better hear it from you. Repetition on mm. and on and on. Uh, yes, that, that seems like a fair challenge. And the subject is with you. And you have mm, four seconds to go <laughs> on the subject of pouring oil on troubled waters starting now. I wonder whether when one pours oil on waters, they will in fact calm. Miriam. I'm, there was a there was a deviation from smooth speech happening. If only there were another word for that, perhaps one that started with H that I should like to hear you well, say. usually involves a pause, so there was no pause. There was just a fluffing. It, I think you. There was a slight stutter. You oh. you are absolutely correct that there was a, a hesitation, and I'm really very sorry that I have to say that you have. A quarter second to go. <laughs> Down the, subject, the ocean. The I haven't oh. said start yet. Uh, okay. On the subject of pouring oil on troubled waters, starting now. Okay, oil. and we're done. <laughs> I think she hesitated. <laughs> I am. I'm also suspecting I may be the only person who knows that expression. <laughs> I think you might be because I've never heard it before myself. Well, it's 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 a peacemaker. It's it's yeah. someone who is the kindest nature. Oil will calm. Pour, yeah. Pouring oil on troubled waters. Yeah, it, that's that's a thing. I know the expression. I do. Yay! I'm not. I'm not alone in the void. It's so much more fun when someone takes a random subject in a totally different direction. <laughs> um, all right. We are back to Miriam to start, I think. All right. I would like you to talk about my problematic favorite. I would like you to talk for 60 seconds without deviation, hesitation, or repetition about my problematic favorite starting now. My problematic favorite is a pupil. I teach creative writing to children, and her name is Inaya. What a sweet 
girl and so much more enjoyable to have on a Zoom than any of the other small humans who I come into contact with. Do I feel guilty about this? Ariel, you... This does not sound problematic at all. Would anybody care to chime in on the subject in Miriam's defense that you're not supposed to pick favorites as a teacher (laughs) or do we all feel it's totally okay? I feel like she's leading into this subject. I would allow it. Mm, I think you're probably right. I I mean, we have favorite children. Why can't we have favorite students? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the Christmas cards you get sent this year are going to be interesting. (laughs) All right. Your problematic favorite continues, although if you say the word your, you're going to be in trouble after a certain point. Uh, My problematic favorite you have another 36 seconds starting now. There's also the question of my youngest nephew, who I'm afraid might be my problematic favorite because I have two other such relations, the sons of my sister, they are 10 and eight, whereas the two-year-old is now cute and just learning the language. He says things like, I love you, Auntie Vinty, and my heart melts. I feel bad about that, but the older ones are gone at school, busy with their lives. All right. You've, uh, you, you've, uh, you've managed to damage your family relations, but kept <laughs> going until the uh, whistle went. Which is... And my professional reputation as well. That's true. It's probably in tatters. So that's <laughs> it has been documented. All right. Really we hope that you made up the name. That the names were changed. For, we hope that the names were changed to protect anonymity. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. You really overestimate me. <laughs> I haven't even had a chance to estimate you yet. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's let's go back to Ariel, I think, for this one. And this one's a good subject for you. Oedipus Rex. I'd like <laughs> you to talk about Oedipus Rex for 60 seconds without deviation, hesitation, or repetition, starting now. Oedipus Rex is a famous play by Sophocles that everyone knows because they were forced to read it in school. What most people don't necessarily... Miriam, you have challenged. I was not forced to read it in school. Deviation. (laughs) I said most. (laughs) I think I have to give Ariel the point there and uh, feel bad about doing it. But but yes, I think we're going to go back to Ariel for another 48 seconds starting now. Oedipus Rex also in Latin means king. Flat foot in Greek is the Oedipus part of the name. But most people really know him for the fact that... Megan, you challenge. Repetition of most. Absolutely right. People have to read this. Most people... Absolutely correct. And the, uh, and the subject goes over to you, uh, and you have another ooh, 35 seconds starting now. 
Most people may have read Oedipus Rex in high school. However, I was not forced to endure this particular task. I am aware of the basic scenario of the story about a son who is unfortunately... Hesitation! Yes. It's going to get me every time. I think you may have had a slight advantage of catching the hesitation before the rest of us did. That said... I, I I will agree with you, and I will give you the subject for another 16 seconds, starting now. Many people think that Oedipus Rex was some sort of Greek king that Sophocles wrote a story about. We now know that this is not actually the case, thanks to modern science. It is very clear that Oedipus Rex was, in fact, a Jurassic period herbivorous dinosaur. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And you will get a point there for speaking as the, as the, it's very hard not to say whistle. <laughs> and you will be difficult. And I want to, to uh, congratulate you with, with that excellent bit of timing. You have sped into a tie for third place. So good job. Um, okay. Uh, we're going to Megan, I think, uh, next here. How I won the bet. I'd like you to talk for 60 seconds on how I won the bet, starting now. This is a particularly problematic topic for me, considering I do not know whether I have ever placed a bet. I've never been a gambling type. And in fact... Miriam, you challenged well, first. I might be wrong. I was going to say repetition of never, but I think it was never and ever. I think you're right. I think Megan is going to get a point there. And uh, I'm going to... Start her back up again for 51 more seconds, starting now. Were I to be the betting type, I suppose that I would bet on horse races or... Ariel. Hesitation. Right before the word right. were. Yeah, I think you, there was a small hesitation there. I will give you uh, credit for that. Yeah, and getting uh, me every time. Oh, I know. And... <laughs> Yes, I'm an and actual talking pattern. Can't I? Can't I get a get some sort of? I always speak with hesitations. It's yeah, not, but you were also talking in hypotheticals. I mean, I could have said you never actually won a bet. So how could you talk about how you won a bet? I mean, I could have, you know, really I need already to be at making up utter fictions. Perhaps exactly. dream logic. You had placed a bet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've already given you the subject, Errol, so you don't need no, to I know. I know. Challenge. I'm just, I'm just. That's, I'm... That seems, if anything, needlessly aggressive. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's channel that into the subject for another 44 seconds, starting now. When I was at school, I won a bet by eating the most disgusting combination of everyone's sandwich at my lunch table that I possibly could. Everyone contributed some morsel of food that had Miriam. happened. Miriam, you challenged. There was a little bit of freezing that happened, I think maybe, but there was a hesitation in that. I don't think there was, actually. I think Ariel kept going for the most part. Okay. I will, so I'll give her a point and uh, set her back on the subject of how I won the bet starting now. I won the bet mostly by swallowing very, very hard and not. 
Miriam, you were first. Repetition of fairy. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's the hardest, the, the number one thing, I think, in this entire I know. History. I know. Everyone does it. Everyone. I'm sorry, Dan, you were a half second behind. Uh, it may be that you want to be more visual in your uh, in your chiming, if you can. <laughs> just uh just just so I can uh, I can you know catch the motion. Uh but uh, yes. So Miriam, we are going to go back to you uh for another 17 seconds of uh, a bet you apparently didn't win before. Maybe something has changed. Uh 17 seconds starting now. How I won the bet when I was a young Hollywood star in a movie in which I was challenged to win the heart of uh, throbbing. Oh, that's a hard one. I think. Give it, Dan, give it to Dan. I think it was Dan slightly first, even without your charity. Yeah. Dan. <laughs> There's some pretty queer hesitation going on there. Yeah, I think so. So. You will get a point for a correct challenge, and you have come in uh, with 2.02 seconds left on the clock <laughs> to talk about how I won the bet starting now. And I always win bets. It's just part of my natural personality. Who wouldn't ever want to? All right. <laughs> yeah. I want you to finish that sentence, Dan. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Okay, let's see. Uh, (laughs) Dan, we're back with you. (laughs) Ampersands. I want you to talk about ampersands for 60 seconds starting (laughs) now. Ampersands are deeply important to me. In fact, I can say that they have helped define the experience of my life since I was a very young child. Through adolescence, I dreamed of times where ampersands would... Repetition of very, very young and very important to me, I think. I think you're right. Yes. That was a good catch. Uh, So you have 47 seconds to talk about ampersands starting now. Ampersands appear to be innocent squiggles on the page that mean and, but they are actually... Ariel, you complained first. I mean, correct. Hesitation. I had such good ideas. Uh, Perhaps a steady stream of them in future, rather than attempting to get them all out at once and no speech coming through, will help you (laughs) instead. Uh, All right. So you have, I believe, thirty. No, not yeah, thirty-three seconds left on the subject of ampersands, starting now. The ampersand is a representation of the letters ETC, also known as et cetera or and the rest in Latin. Many people do not realize that this is actually the way that it. (laughs) Dan was in first there. Oh, my dear. Hesitation. (laughs) I, I think very hesitation is uh, is probably fair enough. Uh, and so the uh, subject goes to you, and you have 16 seconds to talk once more. Also, about- I was talking rubbish because it's not at Ketra. It's just at. <laughs> <laughs> and no one called me on it. I was going to 
challenge you. And then I was like, Miriam, don't be stupid. Don't challenge Ariel on something like that. <laughs> I did wonder. Sneaky. It would have been tremendously convenient, wouldn't it? All right. <laughs> shall we uh, Shall we go back to Dan then for 16 more seconds, about ampersands, starting now. Reflect how important ampersands have been to me is best reflected in the decision I made upon the birth of my son, to name him Ampersand Miller. Unfortunately, at this time, we lived in Germany that has very specific rules against naming right. children. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite interesting. You <laughs> fed into second place as we head around the, uh, around the turn here. And, uh, okay, Miriam, the telltale signs of aging. I'd like you to talk about the telltale signs of aging for 60 seconds, starting now. You would hope that the telltale signs of aging would be slow, creeping up on you gradually, but no. Boom, your hips start to creak. A little exercise suddenly flattens you for weeks on end. The lines in your face, deep crevices appearing over. You, you challenged. Repetition of your. Yep, that's, uh, th that's a fair challenge. And the subject is now with you for 39 seconds, starting now. The telltale signs of aging appear mostly in my speech as I become older, and I find that I say things like um and uh far more... Miriam! Deviation! I don't think Ariel is displaying any signs of aging. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this... This seems like one of those impossible challenges that I'm going to uh, put to the audience. Now, as the audience in this case consists of a slightly suspicious blue crowned conure, uh, I, he is glaring at me. So I don't think he likes the challenge. So it's going to go back to Ariel. <laughs> uh, he agrees. All right. 29 seconds uh, on the subject starting now. I don't believe that I show signs of senility, you understand. It is simply that when I speak, the things that come out no longer represent exactly the verbiage I wish to convey. I often find myself circumlocuting where normally I would have free-flowing speech. I would have... <sighs> oh, I... I think Dan came through sonically first and visually it's exactly the same time. So I'm going to go with Dan. Uh, I would have repetition. You would have a correct challenge. Uh, and as a result, uh, the subject is yours for four more seconds, starting now. I don't think that I will ever show any signs of senility simply because I cannot grow old. All right. We okay, have, but uh, the subject. Oh, well, I was trying to object there. I think you came through slightly late. I'm afraid. I, I did. Think you, yeah. I did. Because it wasn't signs of senility. It was telltale aging. <laughs> <Good point. laughs> well, this is extremely exciting. We have now got. Uh, we are now down to a tie for first place, and that Miriam and Dan are 
currently neck and neck, and uh, we are going to to two more rounds to go. I think. <laughs> I'm just glad that we'll finally be able to resolve this old rivalry. Ah, <laughs> is it an old rivalry? That's good. <laughs> I've just decided. <laughs> How would you like Ariel for a subject? A word with a class with a classical etymology, ornithology. I'd like you to talk about ornithology for 60 seconds, starting now. Ornithology is the study of birds. And I find that I quite love looking at the birds out my window who are usually cardinals. Miriam. Birds. Absolutely right. If I'm going to set a basic trap and someone is going to fall into it, I will give out points without any shame to the people spotting it. (laughs) Okay. The subject is now with you for 49 seconds. Ornithology, starting now. Ornithology is a topic I haven't come into contact with that much, but during lockdown, I did try to recognize bird calls And it is incredibly difficult. These strange cheepings emerge from trees. Ariel, you hesitation after these. Yes, I think so. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) All right. 29 seconds to go. Ornithology is back with you, Ariel, starting now. Cornell has a lovely ornithology lab where they study enormous quantities of species of these lovely finches from across the universe where they are constantly... (sighs) (laughs) That was all three of you almost simultaneously. I I think Dan got there first. I always come in late. It's it's really sneaky and bad trick. <laughs> what was your challenge, though? I think we should probably do that as my... The hesitation. Also, both of the others. <laughs> <laughs> really, there were no wrong answers from your point of view there. So, uh, the subject of ornithology is with you. You have 11 seconds, and I will remember to record your point Starting now. H.L. Hester was one of the great ornithologists of the Miriam 20th century, Hester. which is fascinating because he was... Miriam, you challenged. Well, there was a long gap before he started speaking. There was. There and was a in... gap before he started. Yep. So, uh... Oh, come on. You're not allowed to <laughs> breathe anymore, Dan. <laughs> also, I just accidentally gave the point to Ariel and had to correct it. It's the high altitude. Oh, no, no, it's no. I totally breathe. deserve that point. Totally. totally Miriam, it's the high point. altitude. It takes longer to breathe. That's all that you heard. I'm not going to start giving you points just because of my telltale sign of aging. <laughs> Miriam, uh, the subject is back with you, and uh, you have seven seconds left, starting now. Who knew that a blue tit was different from a great one of those creatures? There are All right. I did. (laughs) (laughs) You said. Miriam was speaking at the end of the minute there. Also, my iPad has run out of power, so you're down to voice only for the last round, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, With my apologies for that. And 
for our last round, we're going to start with Megan. Megan, I would like you to talk about paying tribute. I'd like you to talk about paying tribute for 60 seconds in just a minute, starting now. When you go to pay tribute to the king, you must bring something worthy of value to give him as a gift. I think I would be bring a... Uh... Ariel, you challenged first. Hesitation on bring. <gasps> yes, I think so. I believe I also repeated bring. <laughs> you did. You uh, did. Which, which of her brings did she hesitate on then, Ariel? <laughs> uh, I believe the second one. That sounds correct. All right, you have, you. well, I think you have uh, 49 seconds on, on paying tribute, starting now. Paying tribute to the heroes that you adore, heroes like Nicholas Parsons. Miriam. Repetition of heroes. Absolutely. <laughs> that particular hero of yours would have absolutely given... <laughs> Miriam, the point there. Yes, yes, so, yes. I think I have to as well. And uh, therefore, you have uh, 40 seconds on paying tribute, starting now. Paying tribute is something I do every time I go to the dry cleaner, which is called tribute. The man behind the desk's name is Neil. We have a lovely relationship. I hand him my cash, which is very... <laughs> uh, Dan, that was you first, I think. <laughs> yes. Uh, hesitation. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think she was just, you know, wanting to hear what other people had to say, really. Uh, you have. I was just being generous. You have 24 seconds left, and uh, th this could get competitive as we are in the last round, and th this is quite close. So you have 24 seconds starting now. One thing that I do not miss about having to pay rent instead of owning a mortgage was that my landlord was very strange, and he required me Ariel. You Deviation from the topic. This is not about paying. This is not about your landlord. This is about paying tribute. You could let it go another second, and I would connect the two. Yeah, dots. no, no. <laughs> I think you had just enough seconds to not get to the point, so I'm going to give Ariel the benefit of the doubt here, and uh, and and she has 16 seconds, starting now. I pay tribute when I play the card tribute in the game Dominion, which is one of my favorite pastimes. Miriam, you challenged. Hesitation. Yes, there was a hesitation there, which means that you have three seconds to go on the subject of paying tribute, starting now. I kneel down at the foot of the temple, pillars rising above All me. All right. Instead. That slam hit my thumb and didn't come close to, to doing <laughs> the sound right. But as I uh, aggressively take this copy of Voltaire and hit my thumb with it, that brings our game to a close. As <laughs> <laughs> the whistle went there, Miriam. So it, it, only, uh, it only remains for us to tally up the scores and uh, see that some of you have indeed got points. So 
Logan, uh, who did so well the last time she was here, uh, came just in fourth place, followed by Dan, who was doing very well and only at the post got pipped by Ariel, followed by Miriam, who uh, is in the lead by two points. And so we will say that she is our winner today. And I should like to thank you all and that I hope you will have us back into your homes the next time Nicholas Parsons dies and we therefore need to perform a tribute to him when we will play just a minute. Oh, yay! Actually, Megan, can you play the minute waltz on your piano right there? Oh, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I can give you <laughs> And randomly Pachelbel's canon, but not the minute waltz oh, wow. yeah. Thank you, Karen Thank you, that was fantastic I love I the topics you came up with Well, it's yeah. like Victor Borga I'll play 30 seconds, you play 30 seconds and together we'll play the minute waltz you know, there's a problem though. Science, there's a, there are certain studies that indicate that the pathway from introverts' brains to their mouths are actually longer than extroverts, measurably longer. Therefore, all of us introverts are at a decided disadvantage in this game. And any hesitation may only be from that longer pathway. <laughs> However, every single person on this call is an introvert. Not Dan. Okay, well, not Dan, but... <laughs> I, I'm a collection of miswiring, so it's really hard to gauge with me. But uh, you're arguing neuro superiority, basically. Yes, they are clearly neurally superior, but you know. So <laughs> let's just d d double down here. However, I dare them to sing an operatic aria. <laughs> just, to, just to double check, your argument there was eugenics. Right. That's basically what you were going with. Um, that is a novel approach to the game, and as the episode's <laughs> over, probably doesn't need to be included. But uh, it's a good future category. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that seems like a disaster. That oh my god, I can't even imagine. Oh. <laughs> I was but wouldn't this just be such a fun thing to do like just randomly on a thursday night instead of pub trivia dan I'm oh, like, yeah. For, yeah i love this i could do this often yeah, yeah we know I improv never, girl ever ever yeah when you actually explained what the game was and what the show was my thought was Oh shit, what did I just get into? <laughs> Is it too late to suddenly escape? I like yeah. Yeah. Dan's going, please let the coffee kick in. Please let the coffee kick in. Can the dog oh, hop Karen's up on the chair and play it for me? So how did you feel about playing just a minute for those of you who are first timers here, Dan and Megan? Go. It was fun. I knew I was going to be horrible at it. I knew there was no way on earth I was going to win with any of you guys, but it's fun. I, I honestly think that if with, with a little bit of practice, you'd probably be very good at it. Breath control is a big part of it. So is, uh, 
so is the uh, Megan, you are better than I am. I just happen to interrupt a lot more people than you did. Yes. (laughs) Seriously. Interrupt is the third thing. Yeah. Like honestly, has that evil has has that had that improv training that ability. (laughs) Yes, yes, the evil improv training, (laughs) the the ability to continue to talk without ever taking a. I repeat a lot. (laughs) I do too. I do too. Humans do as a rule. It's why this game works at all. It requires less work, right? You know. Okay, I've got one spiel. I'm going to tell it to you all. I'll tell it twelve thousand times. You know, then my job's done. For me as an editor, when I'm editing episodes that people have recorded on my podcast, all the things that yes, that you are in just a minute are the things that get edited out. So I have to go through and I have to identify all the ums, the uhs, the you knows, the kind of. And then I have that people repeat ridiculously. Yeah. And, and the deviations where people are suddenly talking about their Aunt Minty. So you're and... saying that this game was invented by an editor? Yes. Yes. Imagine that. <laughs> it was invented by a man on the top floor of a double-decker bus. Genuinely. Um... Well, is that Ian Messeter on the top floor yes. of a double-decker bus? I forgot to th- I forgot to thank Ian Messeter in a bizarre and abstract way that's meaningless to the listener. Well, it's it's quite a good game. He spent 15 years shopping it around. I was just thinking, um, uh, I think one of the reasons it's easier when you've listened um, a lot, obviously you get the practice of listening, but also because like I find myself, as you pointed out, Ariel, (laughs) I think one of the ways of doing it is to sort of do an impression of one of, yeah, (laughs) like do an impression of Paul Martin or do an impression of Kenneth Uh Williams and Uh I'll like get, through whereas if you're doing it and just trying to be yourself yeah Yeah. I think it's a lot harder to do it as yourself than to like commune with the spirit of Kenneth Williams and you know infamy she has it infamy I said one day you know Uh, the the I mean, most of the people playing it who do it well were definitely putting on a performance of themselves, uh, which is good in several cases where you really don't want to know what was lurking under their public faces. But uh, especially in Clement Freud's case. Yeah. When when the patricide is somehow the easier one to take of the main options, that's not great. Um, (laughs) Oh, Kenneth Williams probably killed his dad. He's dead. It can't be libelous. Um, All of the main performers of it come at it with a with a public persona that that they use as a weapon against each other in sort of gladiatorial combat. There's a there's a level on which it is being something other than you are weaponized. So this so the, the, the show is still ongoing on BBC. Well, it was ongoing as of last year, but the host of it since 1968 passed away in January, which is the nature of this tribute. He hosted the show for 52 years. And between the TV versions and everything and uh, and the radio program, he hosted over a thousand episodes. So, yeah, at the moment they're resting it in the grounds of out of respect, all of the original panelists... Um, the one you definitely would 
know best is probably Peter Jones from as the who's the book from Hitchhiker's Guide. All of the original panelists have long since died. Wow. And so um yeah, you know, Paul Merton and and Graham Norton and other people have been, you know, the regulars growing and replacing them as it goes on. But it's not done, but this year has been lacking it because of, you know, reasons that are sad, but also he was 96. So there's only so... He was working right up until... Oh, yes. The end. Famously a champion of getting young talent on the program. They would go to the Edinburgh Festival every year and get people who had never been on it before to interact and play with the regulars. They made an absolute point of keeping it vital in the last few decades by making sure there were always new people coming into the show and new talent being supported. Because if he had a platform, why wouldn't he want to do that? And it also started off as a very boys club type show originally, and you had four men as the main panelists. And after they started going, he was the one who made a conscious choice to change that. That, no, I, I, I'm sick and tired of any woman who comes on the show being bullied. We're not doing that anymore. Kenneth Williams is dead. And yeah, it, it does change quite a bit, but every episode of it is still recognizably the same show going back to 1968. Mm-hmm. There must be there must be some of it on YouTube. I, I, I've oh, been yes. Yeah, on, it yeah. is on YouTube. If you look it up on YouTube, you can find clips from the TV show. You can also go to Audible and download on Audible. Yeah, I've just started listening to the best of 2019. Oh, that's that's the, that's going to be the. Sadly, Nicholas Parsons uh, got ill a couple of times in the last year or so, and so had to get replaced as host for the only times in the show's half century of of running before he died. But his, you know, breaking his streak was actually a news item. Like the news was informed when he was just unable to make it to a recording once. But um, yeah, they they did a an attempt in the night in the late nineties of a TV version that turns up. It has the worst set I've ever seen for a game show. It's It's just just, a lot for BBC. It's just staggeringly (laughs) bad. And then uh, for an anniversary in 2012, I want to say they put, they did another, a short, a one season run of it as, as a much better version of a TV version of the game. It's still not, you know, as good as the radio for the most part, but you can get to see some fairly famous people playing it, and uh, it it it's done well. And you know, Stephen Fry made a point of turning up if they were going to be, you know, having catered lunch and everything. So he, he's a good one to find episodes of the radio show with too, because he's Stephen Fry, and you'd think that would make him good at it, but in fact, every verbal tick Stephen Fry has. <laughs> absolutely ruins him when he's playing it and he's smart enough to know it going in he is a fan of the show and knows every mistake he is about to make but cannot stop being stephen fry quite enough of course of yeah. course and one of those it's like stephen you're talking about wagner again we've discussed this <laughs> so, <laughs> so true oh, we- 
the um, other thing you will find clips of on YouTube are people going the full minute without being interrupted, which yeah. is this perverse thing because it is incredibly impressive and an audience will cheer. And Kenneth Williams was very good at it. If you gave him a classical subject, he could really manage to string string emperors out. That's a famous one that you'll find find him talking about emperors for a full minute in, in just full flourish. David Tennant, the first time he was on, the first time he spoke went the full minute too. That's uh, right. I remember so that. Yeah. The, the, it is very hard to do, but it's not that great in terms of the game. The original versions of the game were ones that they tried shopping around to different TV ones. The American one was called One Minute Please, and it was hosted by Ernie Kovacs on the DeMont Network in the in the 50s. And it had Hermione Gingold in it from oh like oh, wow. things as one of the regular panelists. But there, you didn't earn points for challenges. You earned points for talking the most. In the early versions, it was about talking for the longest amount of real estate. It's a much more competitive game when it's for challenging correctly and incorrectly, yeah. which means that the things that seem most impressive aren't actually the best way to win. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, Rep- I... Repetition of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to an episode's worth of silliness, froth, and frolic structured around the BBC's Just a Minute. No infringement was intended in this episode, but please reach out to us at, at Omnibus Ride on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and let us know what you thought of today's episode. We'd love to hear from you, and as the minute waltz fades away, have a wonderful, wonderful week.